Welcome to the NACA American Dream Program. Each week, we'll talk about how NACA is revolutionizing mortgage lending with the best mortgage in America. It's no down payment, no closing cost or fees, no PMI, no consideration of your credit score. And guess what? It's at a below market fixed rate. NACA is just relentless. This is the NACA way. American Dream Program, where we help you get houses through NACA that nobody else can do. We get you rates and interest rates and all of that. Um, if you have any questions, Eric Epson back on the show today. If you have any questions, he's back. He's not even a visitor anymore. He's a part of the program. He's a part of the show. Um, if you have any questions, 833-771-0500. Internet. What's going hey, on? I know hey, that weather hey. is cold over there because it's cold over here and I got the heat on. So what's going on? How you doing? How was your I week? wish you were right, but you'd be wrong on that one. It is a beautiful day in Texas here today. It is 78 degrees right now with an expected high of 84. So in this windy, breezy, beautiful day to be out walking communities, walking neighborhoods, riding through the hood, looking good, feeling good and doing good. And at a 4.0% interest rate on a 30-year fix and a 3.5% interest rate on a 15-year fix, it is a beautiful day to be looking for your dream home owned and powered through and by NACA. So Damien, today is the American Dream Program. We are happy to have Eric Exum onto the show. I don't want to belabor this or take up too much time, but I do want to make sure everybody knows that we have some amazing things coming up. And at the end of the show, as always, where we're running the rat race of trying to get all the questions answered, asked, asked and answered. So I want to just make sure you guys stay tuned and uh, lock it in to www.naca.com because we have some NACA Economic Justice Expo events coming at you from Miami to uh, Queens, New York, to Chicago, Houston, Baltimore, and more. Woo! So stay tuned. Be looking on our website at www.naca.com. And as always, lock it in on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all around town, we gonna be around. So just keep looking for us because our event may be coming soon to an area near you. So Damien, yes, Eric, thank you so much for joining us again today. People heard you was coming and they already locked and loaded. How are you, Eric? I'm great and happy to be here as always. Yeah, and Eric, awesome. real quick for the people that are new today, tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do and don't hold back because we need Fair to know. Fair enough, um, I'm, my name's Eric Exum. I am the National Mortgage Director. I oversee more, all mortgage operations for NACA. And like many other of the directors here, I've done it all. Started in counseling, um, did the home save when we needed to, um, process, closing, underwriting. I run, the, I run all those apartments right now and try to help anybody who needs help with any difficult situation, any basic situation, try to help people get over the hurdles that, that they face to get through this entire process. So, uh, so on, on this radio show, we get a lot of great questions, um, general questions that a lot of people have, which are awesome. And then we also get a lot of questions that are individualized, uh, uh, questions where somebody's in a process and, and wants to know the right answer to get through the process. And it's always good to take you through those things. It's just, you know, people always ask the neighbor, they ask the friends, they ask the family, but you know what? Right here today, you can ask the right person. You can get it straight from the source's mouth. I don't like using horse, y'all. That's just something I'm not going <laughs> to You can get it straight from the source's mouth. And that's right here. So don't ask the neighbor about NACA. Don't ask your friend how to get qualified. Don't ask them what do they do to get it. Ask the people that can truly answer the question for you. And I'm going to go straight in to our first Instagram question that's asking, what are the requirements, uh, Eric, for us to know whether you're really ready for home ownership? How do you know that you're ready? And what are those requirements? All right. The first thing I'll say is make sure you go to the workshop and get your one-on-one -on -one counseling session because everyone's path is different. Just like Angina just said, you know, don't ask your neighbors, don't ask your cousin or friend who came through the process. They might've had different goals, different credit, different income, you know, just different circumstances in general. 
But if you want to know the general qualification criteria, and this is just ready for home ownership, this is not um, how we determine how much payment you're going to qualify for. But if you want to just un understand today, if you know you're ready for home ownership, that basically means that you've got at least $2,500 liquid in the bank. Liquid meaning you have access to it today, um, not in 401k, not in um, investment accounts, but, but you have access to it right away. The second thing is you've paid all of your obligations for the most recent 12 months on time, meaning nothing is late over the most recent 12 months. Uh, the other thing is you, ha you have all of your documents ready and prepared to deliver to NACA and to deliver to your, to your counselor. That's your three months of bank statements. That's one month of, if you're, if you're a W-2 employee, that's one month of income documents plus your year-end documents, meaning your W-2s and 1040s. Um, so basically, if we, we don't use credit score at all. If you've paid your bills on time for the last 12 months, you have all of your documents ready, you, you live in the area that you know you want to purchase in and or have recently lived in the area, meaning you know the, you know the area well, and you're looking to, to purchase in commuting distance of your current source of income. So if you work from home, it doesn't matter, but if you report to work, you have, you know, this is an owner-occupied program, and you must have met, met our eligibility criteria. You must not already own a property. You can't already, you or no one in your household can own a property right now. Um, you must commit to living in the house for the entire term of, that you have the NACA mortgage. You must be a registered voter if you're eligible. And, and you can go on our website and read through the, the broad or the, you know, the uh, eligibility criteria. There's things like you must provide complete and truthful information to NACA. You know, when we get into some of the real minutia there. Good, Eric. Thank you so much. And that was very, very helpful. But as Eric said, for all the details and our resources, if you go to www.naca.com and look under the resources tab, there is so much. The entire qualification workbook is there. So to the Instagram uh, individual that asked the question, if you go under the resources tab and look at the qualification workbook, you can literally decide how to get yourself qualified and the timeline, which is our next question, Eric. How long does this process take after you've turned in everything? And that everything is, an, is a misnomer because everything to you could mean something else popping up later. So I want to make sure I put that out there, Eric, but go ahead and answer that question. Sure. Um, similar to the last answer is it's unique to everyone. So how long does the process take? If you have to demonstrate a savings pattern, meaning you want a payment higher than your current rent and you haven't already done this and you haven't already been saving for the, for the last three to six months or the previous three to six months, you have three months minimum to go, three to six months, depending on your current situation. Um, so once you met the criteria I just discussed to become home ownership ready, in addition, you must become ready for the desired mortgage payment you want. So it's referred to as a PITI, Principal Interest Taxes and Insurance Payment. And that would include a homeowner's association also. So you have to add that to the, to the payment. So if you already meet the criteria, you can walk into your counseling session and get submitted and qualify pretty very quickly. And when I say very quickly, there's a three-day turn time for underwriting, um, three days or less for a qualification review, to become qualified to go out and shop for a house. So if your counselor gets your entire package submitted, you'll get your review within three days. And there are often conditions where the underwriter will ask for additional information or clarification to really help to really understand your situation. So the, uh, so the reviewer can best assist you in becoming homeownership ready, ready for that payment. Remember, the first qualification review is really getting your file ready for when you go to bank. When I say go to bank is now you'll find a property, you'll come back property identified, property ready. So you've already qualified. So once you qualify, you get a really thorough review, make sure you meet the eligibility criteria I was just talking about, the ready readiness for homeownership criteria talked about, make sure that you have, you know, the compliance documents that you need, make sure you have the funds that you need. And then you'll go out shopping, come back with a property, 
then we'll send, do another review for credit access and get you filed a bank. As long as you do your first qualification correctly and nothing significantly changes, that'll make the credit access process smooth because that's the, that's the one that really counts because now you've got earnest money and, and you're invested in a property, you probably paid for an inspection already. That's right. That's right. You got but, scanning the game. I will add a little secret to that, getting the qualified, but however, it's permitting the counselor's schedule. So you could, you know, very well, they, they all get, you know, scheduled people getting on the calendars. But one way to circumnavigate that and get ahead of everyone is to, if you agree to work with a NACA in-house agent, you now are considered a priority uh, client and we can get you an earlier appointment than the regular getting in line. So if you want to do that and get ahead, there's your little nugget of how to get ahead. If you choose to work with a NACA agent, we can get you in. That's right. And I love when Damien give those nuggets because I got the dipping sauce. It is always good to choose a NACA in-house agent because those are the agents that really know how to connect with the counselors. They've done this. They've been there. They know how to get the deal done. They know how to take you over that finish line. So I'm going to always throw a little dipping sauce on that nugget, y'all. All right. <laughs> and as Damien said, it is true. The NACA in-house agents have direct access to the counselors and even me. Um, and I, I obviously run the mortgage. Yes, because I call him all the time when I need him. And, um, it and, and it, it is. It's a great advantage to use an ACA agent because they can get accurate, clear, concise information very early in your process. Well, exactly. exactly. So, uh, Rosie, I hope that answered your question. Ganny girl, I know you asked about the savings and Eric did talk about the $2,500 and he did say liquid. So we took care of you, too. If we didn't, just come on back in and ask more questions. And I'm smiling because, yes, Erica, I see you, 702. Hello and welcome. So I see your question, but I got to filter you in, girlfriend. But welcome and we missed you. So it's good to see you back. Our Erica welcome over back. there in 702. Eric coming just for you. But we have <laughs> another question over here, and this is a good one. This is from Erico 212. Uh, they're saying, why do I have to already live in the city first? If I'm moving back home, oh, it's a it's a great question. And two one two is New York. That's my that's where I'm from. I'm from New York City. I'm actually seven one eight. I'm Queens. Two one two is more Manhattan. But when, uh -oh. we, when we were young, we were all two one two. When I was young, we were all two one two. Anyway, the reason why, and and it's a great question, but especially if you're from New York, then you know that crossing into different neighborhoods can change everything in terms of lifestyle. Um, you know, different culturally, um, even, even expenses change from one borough to the next and, and in certain boroughs, even from two streets down to the next. So NACA is a neighborhood stabilization program, an owner-occupied neighborhood stabilization program. So you really have to commit to being in that property for no less than five years. If you don't get to know an area before you purchase in that area, you may make a big mistake and then you're stuck in the property. Unfortunately, 30 year mistake. Um, well, that's exactly right. Well, you say a 30 year mistake, but realistically in this market, in, in a healthy market, a property appreciates about three to 7% a year. In this market, um, in, in some cities, um, not quite New York, because New York is already a really expensive market, but a lot of cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, Las Vegas, we heard 702 and Erica, um, those cities are appreciating at unhealthy rates, 20, 25, 30%. And I'm sure, you know, everybody out there shopping has been reading the articles about the mortgage bubble. We saw it in, you know, 2000-ish to 2007 when the bubble burst yeah. and then properties were let, worth a lot less money. Um, it is true that as interest rates rise, property values are going to level off back to normal healthy levels. I say all that to say, don't assume when you buy a house today that you'll be able to sell it for a profit. Generally speaking, it takes five to seven years to build up enough money into that property, pay down your mortgage enough to cover the cost to sell. That's usually about five or 6% in real estate costs to sell and another 4% in repairs and closing costs. Meaning if you buy, if you sell a house for $500,000, mm -hmm. you need to have 10% of that set aside um, or, or at least that much equity in the property just to break even in most cases. Wow. 
So we really need to understand the area you're purchasing in. I see it all the time and it is just, um, it's As a you huge said, unhealthy. It is. I see people, especially, you know, I, I'm, I live in North, Charlotte, North Carolina now. I'm from New York City. I see people selling their houses or they didn't have a house and they leave New York City to buy in Charlotte because it's less expensive. It's also a banking center. So similar, similar type jobs available. And they'll say, oh, my goodness, that house is beautiful and it's big, way bigger than I can ever get in Queens or Brooklyn or, you know, even Long Island for that money. Wow. You mean I can get all that house for two hundred eighty thousand dollars? And they buy it sight unseen mm. and or they just visit once and don't really get to know the neighborhood. And then they get here and realize, realize that lifestyle just went way down. It's just not culturally what they were looking for. The neighborhood isn't something that they're comfortable with. Um, you know, the churches, the schools, you know, even the foods that they want to shop with, the people who live in, the, in that neighborhood um, really reduce their lifestyle. So don't forget, you know, you Damien will tell, tell you as an agent, you know, one of the first three rules of real estate, um, and it's the same for buying a house, you know, same for mortgage, location, location, location. You can change your house. You can't change where the house is. And if you buy in the wrong neighborhood, the wrong location, you know, um, you're, you're in trouble. Absolutely. Awesome. That's true. Thank you, Eric. Anna Wolf. Anna Wolf wants to talk about refinancing. And Eric, you know, we get that question quite a bit. Let's talk about refinancing. Does NACA do refinance? We're able to do refinance. We haven't refinanced. Um, we haven't had a refinance program since 2008, since the bubble burst. And it's because we have a home save program that's even more effective. So the only reason NACA did refinances when we did them was for someone who had a predatory loan or a really unaffordable loan and possibly someone who needed major repairs and was would be pushed into a predatory or um, a predatory loan. So instead of doing refinances, we have a home safe department who will work with your current lender to help get you to where your payment becomes affordable. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, there are certain types, so certain types that are technically refinances that we will assist with. If you're trying to buy out a previous joint owner, um, typically, unfortunately, that's a divorce situation usually that we see, um, you know, people split up and they're trying to buy out their partner. Since you do own, you have ownership interest, that is technically refinance and we can assist with some of those. If you're trying to buy out, buy out a what's called a land contract, an owner financed property, well, we'll look at those and we'll do some of those refinances because often those land contracts are very unfavorable to our members. Meaning Absolutely. you could be 15 years, you have a 30 year loan, you could be 15 years in and the contract could say something like, if you miss one payment, then all deals are off. off. Yep. The property goes back yep. to the, the um, financed previous owner, the, the previous owner who's financing the property. So we'll look at those and then, you know, so there are unique circumstances that we'll look at for refinance, but in terms of a refinance program where somebody just bought a house through, another, you know, through a mortgage company, they have an affordable payment, they just want a better deal or a better situation, um, that's not something we're going to do. So, so Eric, I want to even further clarify that. The refinance program is actually going to be with NACA, whereas the home save is going to be remain with the current lender that they're with, they don't switch over, but with the refinance program, they're now gonna be with NACA. Is that correct? So, so that I'm kind of clear. That's correct. Um, I mean, if you're gonna get technical, so um, there's a servicer, <laughs> a lender and investor. So there's actually three players really involved in who holds what's quote unquote, the paper of your mortgage. Um, paper okay. is, is who holds the, the note, the mortgage note. They could all be the same. It could be Bank of America is your servicer, your lender, and your investor, meaning it's their money, it closed in their name, and they're the ones who collect the payments each month. So our, our home safe department are experts at this. They, they have uh, relationships with the servicers out there, the lenders, and the investors. Now, by the time you're refinancing, the lender is not as important as the servicer and the investor. Makes sense. Thank the you. The lender is who gave the money initially, the investors who bought the loan since. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that clarification. Absolutely. 
Um, moving on, we have a 702, which is, I think that's Nevada, but this is a California question, which they're intertwined anyway. Does NACA have plans to update the purchase price limits? They are kind of low for California prices. Um, no, uh, we, don't, we do not have immediate plans. Now, the purchase price limits in California are over $700,000 in a single family, 1.3 in a four family. Our program is for low and moderate income people and people purchasing in low and moderate income communities. I understand that New York City is incredibly expensive. Los Angeles is incredibly expensive. Um, there are areas that it, it, a low and moderate income person just cannot purchase in because of affordability. So we're not gonna change our program being for low moderate income people because of markets that are virtually unaffordable for a low moderate income person. Now, what most of our members who live in those markets do, they end up buying multifamily properties. Mm -hmm. That way a lower, lower moderate income mm -hmm. person can collect rents from the other units. If you buy a two family, then you have a rent plus what you chip in, together you're paying the mortgage. A three family, you have two rents. Four family, you have three rents. So in a four family property, I always recommend that all three rents should pay the entire mortgage. So you're, and you have to have the ability, an ability to save. So a good deal is where the three rents in that market pay the whole mortgage and you put away what you would have paid for rent or mortgage every month so that you're building your capital. Because when you own a four family, it's really owning a small business and it's a lot of maintenance and a lot of time. It truly is a business because you're making sure everything, all the services that they are paying you rent for are rendered, which is good, adequate housing. That's exactly correct. And you cannot run a business well without capital. You know, when the roof needs to be replaced, you have to pay for it. You're the landlord, you're the owner, you know, hot water heater, you know, et cetera. You have to take care of the repairs. Eric just gave you guys the secret sauce is how to overcome the affordability and get in those other areas mm -hmm. and have somebody else to pay your mortgage. So you still live in there and you making money off of it. So he just gave you the secret sauce of how to overturn that. I hope that's, that exactly, that's, well. that's exactly right. But just be careful. Multifamily home ownership is not for everyone. It just like not, having multiple children is not for everyone. Multifamily home <laughs> is very time consuming <laughs> and very expensive, you know, with your energy. So just, you know, analogy. <laughs> Well, I've done both, and and they are very similar. It's worth it if if it's in if it's in your spirit to do. Right, and you have to remember: you do you want to live next to the people that know where their landlord lives? Knocking on the door at four o'clock in the, at night in the afternoon, and knocking on the door at four a.m. in the morning. You do you want pulling bam, up at bam, home, bam. and they're standing outside waiting for you when you pull up? So me, I like privacy, but. It's, and that's why Eric is saying it's not, it's not for everybody. So you have to think about those things. That's exactly right. You're living with your tenants. Yeah. I mean, I always recommend if people purchase a multifamily, especially if they have not, you know, if they have not owned a house before and or rented a house before, I, I strongly recommend hiring a property management company for at least the first year or two oh, yeah. to learn how to manage a property from them, you know, pay close attention and learn from them. Then you can take it over yourself. As Anginette's saying, it's very challenging to live with your tenants. You know, as Damien said, it's, you know, it's, it's not quite for everybody. Um, but if you get a lot of help and you learn, you know, you, you, like you said, you're getting rents to help with your mortgage. So you use those, those funds to hire a management company and they teach you, how, you know, who the right contractors are to do repairs. You can really get burnt out there, um, especially Absolutely. with repairs. And there are laws in place that protect tenants. If you break the law as an owner, you can get yourself in real trouble and even lose the property ultimately. Right. Definitely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank Absolutely. you, Eric. Absolutely. Passport Equip. Passport Equip is saying when reporting personal debt to NACA, how many years do we have to provide for student loan debt? I'm not sure I understand the question. How many years do you have to provide for student loan debt? Your student loan debt is your student loan debt. So whatever you owe out there, it doesn't matter when you took it. Um, right. you know, some people are in a 30-year plan for student loan debt. Um, those are the income-based plan. You can get an extended um, plan. So if your student loans are over $40,000, you can, you can get on what's called an extended plan. And, and that's typically a 25-year payment plan. So it doesn't matter 
how long ago you took out on the debt. It matters that you still currently owe the debt. Right. And what we're going to focus on is your monthly payment for that student loan. Mm-hmm. Um, think about it like child support. Somebody, you know, you could, you might have had that child 17 years ago. And in New York, as we're talking about, New York child support goes till the age of 21 automatically. But, uh, uh, so you could have had that child 20 years ago. You still have debt. Exactly. Exactly. Now, Eric, with, with that, because typically don't you guys re- refer to what's on the credit report unless they bring new documentation that hasn't been updated that they've gotten from the loan administrators. Is that correct? Or how does that work? Correct. That's going to be true for all liabilities or debt. Liabilities or debt or debt. That's something that generally reports on your credit report, like credit cards, student loans, personal loans, car payments, mortgages. Um, those things report in your credit report. Those are the things that are factored in your debt to income ratios. Um, you might have a car payment that's in grandma's name. That's still your debt and needs to be reported to NACA. We'll see it in your bank statements. You know, in our counseling, we need to understand, you know, your transportation to and from, you know, work, church, whatever you do in life. Um, so what you don't want to do is try to hide anything because I've, I've been doing this for with NACA for almost 20 years. More often than not, the other shoe drops right when you're at bank, you have a bunch of money out there in the deal, and then you end up losing your money. Because as I said, you have mm-hmm. to provide complete and truthful information. Think of NACA, think of your NACA counselor, almost like your lawyer. Mm-hmm. We'll put together the package the right way and deliver it to the bank in a way we know we can get you a loan. So tell us everything. Doesn't mean we're going to tell the bank everything, but we need we know awesome. what the bank is going to look for. And we know how to prepare things and, and tell them exactly what they need to know. And then in our counseling program, so we're not, we're not just doing loans, we're doing the counseling first. We don't need to provide all the information that we discovered in counseling, just what's relevant for the loan. So give awesome. your counselor all the details and they'll tell the story on your behalf. That's exactly right. right. I assure yeah. you, if, if new information starts trickling in, that's old information. So new circumstances, I, I get that. You know, if the job changes, that's something new. But if you didn't tell your counselor about a car payment that you have in someone else's name or a judgment that you have, you know, that's what will get you in real trouble later. You know, if you tell your counselor, they'll know how to manage that with the bank or if, or even if they need to manage it with the bank. Just don't, you know, I hate to say it this way, but just don't try to get slick. Work with your counselor as your partner, not as somebody you're trying to get over on. So right. counsel will help you get that package through the bank as long as they know everything. Awesome. Awesome. Anna Wolf and I want to talk about the $25,000 lien, Eric. Let's talk about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, um, it's, it's so that when you close in an NACA loan, a document, a security agreement is recorded just like your mortgage note. Now it's a soft second um, and it's recorded and it speaks to the neighborhood stabilization agreement, which you're also going to sign. So the actual um, security agreement doesn't have a dollar amount on it, but the neighborhood stabilization agreement does. And it's exactly that. It's a neighborhood stabilization agreement. Like I talked about earlier, the eligibility criteria that you have to live in the house that you purchased through the NACA program. That's what that $25,000 lien is all about. It puts teeth in that. So if we just told you that you had to live in the house and then you didn't, there wouldn't be anything we could do about it. But since we're going to we're going to record an, an instrument, a lien against the property, it's a soft second. It goes away if you sell the property, refinance. You don't actually pay into it. But if you try to rent out the house or not live in the house, it puts NAC in a position, and we will, to foreclose, to implement that lien and charge you $25,000 and foreclose on the property um, if we need to. Now, that's, of course, not our goal. Our goal is just to make sure that you own or occupy so you stabilize those neighborhoods. Remember, NACA only works with low-moderate income people and people purchasing in low-moderate income neighborhoods. The last thing we want to do is be party to creating more investors in low-moderate income neighborhoods. Of course. Of course not. Thank you. Eric, 
uh, 602 and I cannot, uh, maybe Phoenix, I'm going to take a stab at that one, but uh, they want to know, and I'm, I'm calling out the areas because it's interesting that the, the questions, it tells a lot about the dynamics and the economics of the area, but they want to know why the interest rate is rising so rapidly. Great question. And we, we have not seen the interest rate rise this quickly since I want to say 1964. Um, and that's before NACA even existed. So the interest rate rise has nothing to do with NACA. It's the Fed um, made a decision, and, and a good one, frankly, at the end of the day, to rise interest rates. A lot of people talk about inflation right now. If we kept interest rates this lower, not we, I, I have nothing to do with the Fed, but if the Fed kept interest rates this low that much longer, we would have even more inflation in the economy. It, it, the interest rate was held so low for so long. That's part of the reason it created so much competition in, in lending and buying houses, contributing to the lack of inventory out there, creating prices going up. So at, generally speaking, as interest rates go up, home prices come down. Now we're in a really interesting and unique market because there's so little inventory, um, partly because of COVID, people, more people wanna own. They're not, a, they're not as mobile, they're, they've been stuck at home. So really thought about buying for themselves and really making that house what they want for them and their family. So basically more buyers, less builders during COVID. Mm -hmm. how, house building almost came to a stop compared yeah. to previous. You might say, oh, I know they were building in, in, you know, in my city during COVID. Yes, but at a fraction of the normal building. So during COVID, the supplies weren't available, the builders weren't out there building. So they weren't producing new inventory at the same pace that they, they had historically. And then of course, as we talked about, the low interest rates made it more attractive for buyers and unfortunately investors to purchase multiple properties. Um, so why are the interest rates rising? Frankly, at the end of the day, because they needed to and our federal government knew they needed to and made the decision. And why, why do they rise so quickly? Um, you know, as a student of the industry, probably because of those components, um, it was so long coming that, you know, like most things, there was a hard correction to something that helped. I mean, it helped us a lot to have low interest rates and inexpensive money for a long time. But if, as you guys know, that devalues the dollar and created a lot of inflation. Exactly. That's exactly right. Good explanation. And it's always regulated by the Fed. Please remember that. Not NACA. Not NACA. <laughs> Wrong acronym for that one, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I wish we could control interest rates out there. <laughs> I wish we could. Uh, next question, Eric, is what does it look like? And this is an interesting one. I have about nine questions based on their question, but I'm not going to do that. What does it look like for someone who has a Section 8 voucher with a verifiable business owner income for several years who wants to purchase a multifamily unit? All right, that's all right. to unpack. So let, let me break it in. I'll do it in the three parts that you delivered. So Section 8 income, great. Section 8 income is awesome if you get the home ownership voucher for mm -hmm. Section 8. So the housing authority issues different kinds of vouchers. Some are for rental only. Um, and then if what would apply with NACA would be the home ownership voucher. Um, that's for a 30-year loan. They contribute. So 30% of your income goes to your housing payment. And then they have charts of how much in that particular market, based on your family size, how many bedrooms you need, how much extra they would. So for just as an example, um, maybe Rochester, New York, for a family of four might say it's $1,400 a month is the appropriate amount for housing. 30% of your income would contribute toward that. So that answers part of the question about, you know, I'm self-employed. So it depends on how much documentable, you know, how much documented income you have. So say 30% of your income is $400. You would put in the $400 per month. The housing authority would put the $1,000 per month in. And that's how your mortgage will be paid for the next 15 years. Mm -hmm. Now, what NACA is going to be careful of is that after 15 years, what are you going to do? Um, I know it seems like a long time from now. 
But in 15 years, if you go from getting significant amount of help for your housing payment to that suddenly being gone, people will do one of two things. They'll sell because now after 15 years, even in a, healthy, in a healthy market, you should have a lot of equity in the house. Problem with selling is you're now no longer eligible for any housing authority assistance. So you sell, you have some money in your pocket, that money goes away in what, five years? Now you're stuck and you don't have yeah. any help. So you gotta be careful with that. Um, um, second, would, which would be great is just, you know, people just end up not being able to pay for everything else to struggle to pay for the housing, for the house. Um, and that's what, becoming, what we call becoming house poor. Mm. So what NACA has developed is the hot PHA program. That's a program where we take that $1,400, instead of amortizing it over 30 years, we did a calculation to amortize it over 15 years when you have the help, where instead of taking on a mortgage payment with the entire 1,400, for easy math, I'll say, um, we'll take the, you'll, you'll have a mortgage payment for 1,220. The rest between the 1,220 and the 1,400 would go to accelerating your mortgage payoff, meaning making extra principal payments each month so that in 15 years, you own that house free and clear and got housing authorities assistance to do it. So first, first step is absolutely want to use those housing, housing authority vouchers. Now it's calculated as income, not as a reduction from the house, housing payments. So keep that in mind when it comes to your debt to income ratios. Second thing I think we addressed a bit, um, you said it's somebody who's self-employed with a voucher. That's fine. We're going to use our self-employment criteria to calculate income. We'll use banks, 12 months of bank statements and review the cash flow analysis. We will look at last year's and the year before's tax returns to see that you've established a business. And if you file an 1120, 1120S or 1065, those are IRS forms for corporate taxes. We'll use those. So you know, that's a different type of self-employment. That's corporate self-employment. So we'll need the 1120, the 1065 in addition to your 1040, which we need for everyone. I hope that answered all the questions. And if it didn't, we are halfway through the show. So uh, the person that asked the, the, the Section 8 question, if that did not answer your questions, please lock it in on our Facebook uh, channel. So to come back and ask, the, ask even more details, we will be happy to provide that with you. www.naca.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come on through. And as always, 833-771-0500. Damien, we're at the halfway point, but I am keeping Ooh. it rolling. Mac, Terry, Frederica, and Erica, I'm coming at you, followed by Bethany. Let's get started with Mac. Mac is saying, after meeting with my counselor, for my third session, well, he says third intake session. And we get this all the time. And I think, Mac, you also called because you've had a couple of counselors as well. But after meeting with his third intake session, uh, counselor for his intake session, I was given a totally different amount of the amount of house that I can afford, a $100,000 difference. Why did I not qualify for the 31% of the gross income for the mortgage payment? All right. Um, great question. And I'm going to answer a couple of different things in there. Yeah. Um, so one, you know, I think you, you were alluding to it, Anginette, is there's only one intake session. Um, that's your first session. And, you know, it's important that your counselor makes it through all nine stages. During the intake session, you should be looking at the counselor screen with the counselor. You know, so you're on video with them and you all, they all, you're also using Zoom where you can share screens. They should be sharing their screen so you can verify the data entry, that if somebody keys in things, you know your information better than we do. So, for example, if you're in stage one, with the information stage, and we misspell your name, you'll catch it because you can see the screen. So, guys, always make sure your counselor is showing you what they're doing as they're doing it. And then you can also follow along all the stages to make sure you get through stage nine, which is the budget stage. And it's really important that you do your budget and your intake. Now, it is possible that you run out of time in intake if you have, you know, three applicants and another two additional household members whose income impact the household um, and everyone has a bunch of bank statements and a lot of lines of credit it might be impossible to make it through 
you know, the intake. So you might have a intake part one and intake part two, where you pick up where you've left off. And that should happen really close to timing of intake one or else, you know, you'll get lost in the process. Having, having said that, the question, why did the first time I talked to a counselor, they talked a different affordability number than the second time? That has a lot to do with the question that you just asked about interest rate and possibly other factors. So the counselor is going to qualify you for a monthly payment. We say $100,000 difference, that's in mortgage. But we don't, we don't qualify you for a mortgage. We qualify you for the affordable monthly payment. In every market, that's going to be a diff bit different. So, for example, Anginet sits in, in Texas. Texas has one of the highest tax rates in the country. Right. So the exact same $300,000 house that Damien, Damien buys and Anginet buys, Anginet's going to pay more per month for that house because taxes are so much higher. They just want to point that out. Um, and if you have a homeowners association dues, that will impact. You can buy less house for the same monthly payment you qualify for. Um, if you buy in a flood zone, um, you have additional insurance that's required. So for the same monthly payment, you can buy less house. Um, on the flip side, maybe you're buying in, in certain parts of Georgia. Um, so Atlanta has a you know 1.25 per thousand tax rate. Um, but North Georgia, there's some point zero four. So there's much lower taxes. Um, so you could both be in Georgia, same qualification for 1500 a month and buy you significantly different house. So the factors are interest rate, taxes, insurance, and if there's a homeowner association. Now, the limiting factor, so a couple of limiting factors for virtually everyone. And we've made a recent adjustment um, because rent price is going up to where we'll qualify people for 33% of their income, of their gross monthly income, or we'll qualify some like up to 33%. And then we have 2% room if the compensating factor exists that you've already been paying more than that in rent for the past 12 months. We'll do the same thing for your debt to income ratio. So your housing ratio, the formula is simple. It's the PITI that you qualify for or want to qualify for divided by your gross monthly income. Your debt to income ratio are all of your debts. Remember we talked about that, the, the student loans, the car payments, the credit cards, all that added up plus your PITI, your, housing, your monthly housing payment divided by your gross monthly income. And the limit for, for your debt to income ratio is 40% up to 43 with the same compensating factor. You have a history of paying more. So those are what's called limiting factors. If your income goes up, your limiting factors increase. Right. If your debt goes up, your limiting factor decreases. And the counselor can explain all of this as well. Your counselor you know, Mac, I want you to feel comfortable to ask your, your counselor these questions. Uh, Eric is here and he is more than happy to answer all of the questions you have, but please feel comfortable enough to ask your counselor these same questions and you're, you're going to get that response because Eric is throwing a lot into this, but it really does. He just gave three different key factors that will play into the part of this. And Eric, I'm sure there may be a couple of more. Absolutely. Now, regardless of the limiting factors of ratios, and you, you point out earlier, maximum acquisition costs and maximum purchase prices. I say acquisition because it's purchase price plus required rehabs. Right. So you can't go out there, you know, and be a high income person and find a gut find a gutted out house, you know, in Georgia for four hundred fifty thousand, and then need another three hundred thousand to fly. turn it into a you know livable property. Because now we're way outside of our maximum acquisition, you know, which which California. The person from California earlier asked about increasing those limits. We're not going to because this program is and will continue to be for low moderate income people and purchase people purchasing low moderate income communities. And frankly, low moderate income people can't, you know, take on a eight hundred thousand dollar mortgage. Right? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't make sense. Um, so the greatest limiting factor um, is going to be affordability. Demonstrating so, regardless of your ratios. Even if you can qualify for 3000 a month, 
based on the housing ratio and debt to income ratio. If you're currently paying $1,000 a month in rent and have been for the last year, and you, you have not been savings saving, not through 401k, not through liquid savings, not putting money aside, not you know, putting money into the stock market each month um, in any which way, not, not paying down debt. That's a great way to demonstrate savings pattern, by the way. If you have credit cards out there um, and you decide, I want to get rid of my credit cards before I buy a house, and you've been putting an extra, not your minimum payment, but in addition to your minimum payment, an extra $500 per month to pay down your credit cards to pay off your credit cards before you qualify, we give you credit $500 a month for savings pattern. So we would take the 1000 that you're already paying, plus the 500 you'd qualify for 1500 If that's all you are doing, though, even though your ratios say you can get to 3000 we would not qualify you for the 3000 We'll qualify you for the 1500 And let me say it this way, because this is really important people understand, because outside of NACA, they don't care. Right. They ratio qualify. We will never do that. So let me explain it this way. Damien and I can live next door to each other. We can have the exact same income. We can have the exact same car payment and the exact same student loan. According to ratios, we can, we can afford the same housing payment because the formula is the same, right? We're going to take the PITI divided by gross monthly income. That's right. In our case, we're going to take our housing, uh, our car payment, our student loan, add, you know, add it to the PITI and divide it by gross monthly income. Same income, same debt. We should be able to quali qualify for the same. But now let me throw this in. Damien has no children. I have eight. Mm -hmm. Come That's on. That's my affordability. Come on now. Damien's, Damien's healthy. I, I'm a diabetic and I have to pay $200 a month towards my insulin. I, Damien might be a homebody who watches Netflix when he gets home from work every night. And I like to go out. Got to parlay a little bit. And I spend money, exactly, eating out or, or going out drinking or whatever. Um, with eight kids, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> um, uh, the point is, though, because of lifestyle, and NACA is not going to judge anyone's lifestyle. It, we don't make value judgments. But we need to understand lifestyle so we understand the affordability. Uh, even though on paper we should have qualified, we can technically qualify for the same amount, not at NACA. Because in reality, we can't afford the same amount. So, so Eric, are you saying you look at my spending pattern? That's exactly what I say. We, we so look at you your look lifestyle. at all the Starbucks I'm getting every day. We absolutely do. Um, like I said, not judging you, but having a conversation with you. Right. If you want to change your behavior, that takes a minimum of three to six months. So if you want to say to your counselor, all right, I'm going to stop getting Starbucks. I'm going to stop eating out. I'm going to stop going out and having drinks because... I, because I prioritize more house over that. Mm -hmm. We say to you, not because you're proving anything to us, you got to prove it to yourself. We say to you, go out there and change your lifestyle for three to six months first and see if it's worth it. Mm -hmm. You might come back to us and say, that was easy. Best thing I ever did, lost 20 pounds because I stopped eating out, started cooking at home <laughs> and I'm just doing better. I'm feeling healthier. My family's happy with me. I'm not going out as much, but Unfortunately, most people come back to us and say, you know what? I, yeah, I can now buy the house I want, but now I got to live like Damien. I can't go anywhere. And all I'm doing is watching Netflix every day. And, and that's I'm not the way suffering. I'm oh, cramping oh. up inside. I'm suffering. I got to get to Papa Do's and get my Starbucks and all of that. I have no idea. I do not have eight children. I have no idea what Damien's lifestyle is. I'm sure he does not go home and watch Netflix every night. Yes, he does. But I just want to give extreme examples of lifestyle, right? And to Angie Nett's point, that's exactly what your counselor is tasked with doing. Right. Helping you understand your lifestyle as it impacts your affordability. Again, and it's not setting you up for failure. Why would we do that and go ahead on and give you that that higher amount, even though you can afford it or you're saying you can based on income and things like that. But when you look at the spending pattern and things like that, you're doomed for for something serious later. That's exactly. so, Eric, I, I have a question about that. Is there a danger of me making this change pattern just to get more house and to later go back to my old behavior? 
Well, absolutely. It's what Angie and I just talked yeah, about. So if you go back to your old behaviors, you won't be able to afford the house yeah. and right. those behaviors. So you're going to end up in trouble with debt, um, ultimately possibly losing the house or headed for bankruptcy. So don't do it just to show your counsel something. The counselor's not, your counsel wants you to have what you want. The counselor is just trained to help you succeed over the long term. Just keep that in mind. All it is, is trying on the shoes before you walk out the store. I can't have the only parents, the only mom who made me walk around the store with the shoes. Oh, honey. <laughs> because she knew as soon as you walk out and, and you wear the bottom of them, they're not going to take those back. That's it. And, and the way I grew up, you stuck with them. You, you stuck. You said they fit. You're wearing those for that X period of time, you know, until next year, until it's time to get shoes again. Um, So it's trying the lifestyle on, trying the payment on before you, the house payment on before you sign up the dotted line. And as you said, Damien, you're signing 30 years. You know, you might be in a position to get out of the house um, after five or six, but that's a rough five or six years if you have to change your lifestyle and or if you're in danger of losing the house, you know, every time you look up. And it feels like long suffering. I like that analogy, trying the payment on and see if it fit. I'm going to have to use that one. I like that. Stole that one from you here. Yeah, he he gives a good one. (laughs) But also with that is the same as working a part-time job for the two years to qualify and then quitting. You just put yourself in the same type of danger. So don't do that because now you still got that until you can sell the house. That is an excellent point. And home ownership? is time consuming, yeah. even if you buy just a single family house. So trying to work two jobs and starting to build your house and make your house your own, yeah. you know, that requires a lot more time. So Damien's exactly right. So it's a great idea to take a second job to get ready for home ownership, to pay down debt, to buy down your interest rate, to have the minimum required funds to qualify. But exactly as Damien said, but to use that income that you don't intend to keep or is just going to work, you, you know, work your fingers to the bone to keep just, you know, just to buy a house. It's all about lifestyle. Like we were talking about, it's not worth it anymore. Right. If you have to work, you know, 80 hours a week just to be a homeowner in the price point you want. Um, you know, that's a rough trade-off. Now there's some of us out there who have always been 80 hour week people. And for them, it's not a lifestyle adjustment. But for people who did it just to get into a house, to try to sustain that through home ownership is virtually impossible. And it just makes you miserable. Now, we're here to we're here to improve your quality of life, not decrease quality of life. Now, having said that, what I will say, a good counselor will help teach you how to maintain a similar quality of life without spending more money or, or while spending less money. For example, mm-hmm. I've always, so my wife and I did this when we came through the NACA program the year I started working here in 2003. So we were coming to the program and we wanted to buy a house and we had to free up some money because we didn't have children yet. And we, we had also had to free up some money to start having a family. So as you guys know, a very social activity is eating out, right? You meet your oh, friends. Yeah. We were young, you know, we were young married back then, you know, 20 years ago and almost 20 years ago. And you meet your friends out. But we decided we're going to stop spending money eating out. So what will we do? We tell our friends, sure, we'll, we'll meet you there at whatever time, you know, at six o'clock, we'll meet for dinner. Right before we went out, I heat up the spaghetti or whatever it was oh. we had before, <laughs> and we ate at home. Our yeah. friends didn't care. We got there. I ordered a cup of coffee. You know, she might have had a, a slice of pie and a tea. Um, their bill comes $87. Our, our bill comes $12. We still got to hang out with our friends, got to do our thing, similar lifestyle without spending as much money. So really make decisions about changing how much money you spend while maintaining as much lifestyle as possible. Now, you want to hear something crazy? That was in 2003 when we came to the program. To this day, we still live that way. Oh, my goodness. We don't know. And and when we do, we meet people out, but we don't spend money when we go out. Okay. That's for houses. That's for college funds. We already made the decision that there's more important for us ways to spend money. So when I come to Charlotte and we get ready to go to Queens, Queen City, I forgot what the name of that Queen restaurant, but it's Katama Queen or Cajun Queen. Cajun Queen. 
is Katie yep. Queen. And absolutely, we can go out together as long as you're paying. Oh my All goodness. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, Y'all, we got the lightning round. I know you got several questions, so we're going to have to, because we, we edited. We are, but that was a good back. one, though, Damien. I just want to come in, Eric, because that was a good one, because Mac, I hope that answered your question. Eric touched on some key things, but out of this, out of the whole question, his answer relies on you speaking and having a relationship with your counselor. Please talk to your counselor. Let your counselor know what your goals are. That relationship is critical and vice versa. You guys really have to have a good communication uh, uh, pattern going on to make this work. Um, back And we're heading into Terry's um, question, Damien. And yes, we'll do the lightning round. Yep, those are the long... Yep, those are long answers, really <laughs> thorough. Now I'll just rattle off the quick answers. Terry okay. asked a good one. He has completely finished his action plan, but why do I have to wait until July for my next appointment for underwriting? Is he working why? with a NACA IHA in-house counselor? We Eight don't months. know that. We don't. Well, there you go. But but <laughs> because our services are awesome, our product is awesome. It's best mortgage in America, so we are busy. I mean, frankly, very. Just have to wait your turn, and and when you get your turn, we focus on you, the person in front of us. Right now, there's someone else in front of you. Like, all right. And we, we do two workshops a month, and we got all these people. Everybody wants NACA. We're doing two workshops a month. Now he's saying the lightning round and going to do that. But anyway, for uh, Frederica <laughs> is saying, um, and this is a good one. We talked about the interest rate. She said, I know that the, I noticed that the interest rate is, is going up at 4%. Well, everyone that start now uh, be at 4%. So she needs to understand about the lock when you lock and it could change. Your interest rate sets when you, del- after you qualify, you went out, found a property, have an executed purchase and sale, and you deliver that purchase and sale to your counselor and your counselor does the data entry for it. That's when your interest rate sets. So not when you qualify. When you properly identify and deliver it to your counselor, and your counselor does that that injury. All right, Frederica, awesome. I hope that answered your question. Erica, we got to you, girl. And Erica is referring a friend out there in Vegas, and she is saying she is on the deed, but not on the loan. Can she come through the NACA program for her own home? Well, deed deed is home ownership. Loan is who's obligated to pay for it. So the friend actually owns a home or has own ownership interest. So the, the short answer is it depends on why she's on the deed. So if mom just put me on deed um, so that it makes it easier for me to inherit when she's gone, that's different than I purchased the house with this person and or in the divorce, I got the house, but she got the payment. Yeah. All right. Very good. Bethany, Bethany and Erica, thank you as always. You're family girl. Bethany is saying NACA agents sound great. Do you guys have a list where they are available? First question. They are not available in my area. I need Bethany, I need to know your area. Also, Eric helped us immensely two years ago. And thank you so much for doing this. He is a huge resource. Big up. Shout out to Eric. <laughs> yeah, have your help. This is why we do it, right? Yeah. Um, so Bethany, definitely need to, if you can reach out to us, let us know your area. We do have NACA agents everywhere. Damien, do you want to tackle that one? Uh, we do have agents everywhere, but there are some areas like, say, for instance, Atlanta and the greatest surroundings there in Atlanta, but we use referral agents or you have to get an outside agent, say, if you're down in Albany. So it just depends on your location. So we definitely need to know where you are so we can see about helping you. And if you can get that information back, um, to Angie Annette, we can see about helping to see if there's one in your area. And I know it's speed round, but I just want to add to that, that a referral agent is someone who knows the program well, who's, who doesn't directly work for NACA. So it's, it, you, you do have an advantage to work with, with a NACA referral agent. What I would suggest to everyone, just make sure you work with an agent who has closed many loans with the NACA program or works directly for NACA, because this can be a very clumsy process anyway, and a way more clumsy process if you're working with an agent who doesn't know the NACA process. We are incredibly unique. Yep. And and how we said, it can't be five years ago that they had all of their clients because things change. Right. And Kenya, Lakeisha, I know you guys, Lisa, uh, Veronica, Siobhan, I know you guys had questions, but the old clock on the wall says it's time for us to go. But guess what? 
We are going to circle back and still answer those questions for you, doing it for you uh, here at NACA, www.naca.com. And always reach us at 833-771-0500. Eric, it has Thank been you. amazing. Thank you for your time. The phones are still ringing, so, but thank you for your time, Eric. It is never enough time with you. I, I wish it was two hours. I love doing this. I love talking to our members. Um, yeah, we've got to figure out how to do more. Yeah, we got some good questions coming out. But we'll have to ask him back again. That's we all. We will. We will. Coming back to you, good, you guys. Thank you. Make it a great day. There it is. Mask up. Be safe. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. NACA's American Dream Program is a production of the Neighborhood Assistance Corporation of America, a national nonprofit organization fighting for economic justice through affordable homeownership and community advocacy. To learn more about NACA and our advocacy efforts, careers, NACA's Best in America Mortgage, or to join a NACA in your community, visit us at NACA.com.